Welcome to Avid Watchers. My name is Mary-Kate Cheetah. My name is Adam Nix. And this week we are going to be covering the 2020 film Promising Young Woman. Um, and it's directed by Emerald Fennell, also written by her, and stars Carrie Mulligan, uh, Bo Burnham, Allison Brie, Connie Britton. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's so many great people in this movie. Um, but I think first and foremost, before we go any further, I just want to give a trigger warning um, because we're going to be talking about sexual assault and misogyny and victim blaming in this episode. So just so everyone's aware. Um, and... I'll just quickly give the synopsis for the film. Nothing in Cassie's life is what it appears to be. She's wickedly smart, tantalizingly cunning, and she's living a secret double life by night. Now an unexpected encounter is about to give Cassie a chance to right the wrongs from the past. Do you have any thoughts before we jump into the questions? Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thought of the movie is that like I liked... I liked huge portions of it and I loved Carrie Mulligan. You know, she's like amazing. And then um, there were some parts that I think we'll probably talk about today where I was just like, what is this movie doing? Um, and so I, it made it more like some parts of it were just kind of divisive or I just, I'm, I'm interested to talk to you about them because I liked a lot of the stuff the movie was doing. And then other parts, I just, I was kind of confused at what they were going for. Do you have any kind of major overarching thoughts? Um, It's, an incredibly well-made uh, thriller because um, I feel like it it just really like it kind of sinks in and like takes over your brain for a little bit afterwards because it's so intense. Um, it just gives you a lot to think about. And I think I'm excited to talk more about the blood boiling part because like I I literally wrote in my notes like I didn't know I could be this angry. <laughs> like it just like set something off in me. Like I, I was just so angry in parts of it. Like just infuriated by people like getting away with terrible things. And we can talk more about that as we go on. Um, but overall, I just loved it, I would say. Cool. Let's get into it. Okay, so um, do you have a favorite scene from the film and why is it your favorite? Uh, my favorite scene uh, is the, I guess, like uh, prep when she goes to the bachelor party and we've got the uh, instrumental version of Toxic in the background and Carrie Mulligan's character is walking up there, you know, like like getting ready for this last moment. I think there's a lot of tension that built in the movie and that kind of moment right before that was like, just like you're so tense at that point, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a very uncomfortable movie to watch and it's supposed to be, you know, and it's supposed to be frustrating and make you angry and all of that. But like in that moment, I was just really impressed by like having that, you know, like it's funny because like sometimes I can I, I like complain about, oh, they take a pop song and make it instrumental and slow it down. Like it's like it's kind of a thing people do, but it worked so well here. And I thought it, it like, was great. I, I just I really liked that scene. Um, I think that's the one that really sticks out to me. 
I like that choice a lot because like, I wouldn't have picked it. But it's that, that kind of thing where, like, now that you say it, I'm like, yes, that was such a good part. Like, when she's, like, walking down the road towards the cabin and that song is playing and you're just like, yep. get him. Like, <laughs> destroy him. Um, but the part so this is weird because it's not like my favorite scene like it's not like this was like a fun enjoyable scene like there aren't a lot of those in this movie but i just thought it was really interesting and like powerful i guess was um there's a scene with connie Britton and um carrie mulligan's character cassie and basically she goes to see the dean of her old college and basically cassie's best friend in college was assaulted um and the person who did it videotaped it and it like went all around the school and people saw it and stuff and like i think there were like people around watching it happen and things like that um and she so her her and her friend um ended up dropping out of uh, uh medical school um and basically her friend ends up committing suicide um, because of it, of all the trauma that she experienced. And Cassie, Carrie Mulligan's character, is kind of like, from that point on, I would say just kind of stuck. Like she almost like, she's definitely seems depressed and she like can't get out of this like constant, like she just can't think about anything else basically. And she like can't move on with her life at all. And she works at a coffee shop and she lives with her parents and like on the weekends for fun, she pretends to be drunk and sees if the, a sees with a guy will take her home, even though she can barely stand. And then when he does and he tries to assault her, she's like basically confronts them about it. And that's, like, what she does on the weekends for fun. Um, <laughs> so it's just, like, the like the first note I have in my notes is, like, this is pretty fucking bleak. Like, it's, like, her life is super depressing. And, and like, I wrote, like, how have her parents not gotten her professional help because she clearly, like, needs help. Um, and she just seems so detached from herself and from her life. And I feel like I needed to say that before I go on with this scene, just so there's some context. Right. But um, so basically, she goes to the dean of her school, um, her old school, where she went to medical school, and she pretends like she wants to get back and go back to school. But really, she just wants to confront this woman. And before the scene happens, she... We at in as viewers of the movie, we don't know what's going on, but she stops by this like looks like maybe teenage girl, and she basically like lures her into her car. She says that she's going to like be a makeup artist for a music video for like an artist that this girl really likes. So the girl gets in her car and she ends up like getting the girl's phone like in a natural way. She doesn't like take it forcefully or anything, and she basically ends up like stealing the phone. And we don't know where the girl ends up. So then she goes to talk to Connie Britton's character, the dean, and she is basically like, oh, like, um, I dropped off your daughter with, like, some college guys who were drinking and, like, um, and she's like, 
what are you talking about? And she like calls her daughter's phone and then it ends up that Carrie or sorry, I'll call her by her character. Um, Cassie has the phone and she's like, oh, I have this. Like you should give this back to her. And so like then basically like Connie Britton's character knows that like it's true and that she did like meet up with her daughter and whatever. And so she's freaking out and she's like, tell me where my daughter is and all this stuff. But basically before that, she talks to her about her friend who she's like, my friend came to talk to you after she was assaulted and you basically protected the guy who assaulted her and didn't do anything for my friend. And I think Connie Britton's character is like, well, there wasn't like enough evidence or like we didn't want to ruin his life or like she said kind of stuff like that. Um, and then like, like, <laughs> first of all, Connie Britton's character doesn't even remember um, her friend uh, which like makes her really angry and then she's like and then she's like oh well we get those things all that we get those accusations all the time like every week and it's just like horrifying that to think that there's just like so many people saying they were assaulted that she can't even remember them all <laughs> and that like they don't do anything about it um so that was really interesting because I feel like she was there were a couple instances where she was holding women accountable as well for perpetuating, basically letting these uh, predators get away with what they were doing. And that one was a really interesting one for me because Connie Britton's character was basically like, oh, well, you know, there was no proof and we don't want to ruin his life and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, she was drunk and like all that stuff. But then when Carrie Mulligan's like, hey, your daughter, I left her with these guys. And she's like freaking out about it. She's like, yeah, it's pretty different when it's your own kid, isn't it? Like <laughs> it definitely feels different. It hits different. Um, right. and I just and thought that was a really interesting point. Well, what I what I liked about that. And I think this like the movie in general is like. I think does a good job to really direct the audience at like the absolutely like disgusting and ridiculous like um, excuses people make that's that are basically separated from you know those kind of like sexual assaults and like experiences directly with you know with all of these kind of revenge scenarios that she goes through um, oh she was drunk or this or that or like when it when it's actually you in that situation it's just like Allison Bree's character in that scene right um, it's like different I part of me and a lot of it a lot of parts of this movie where it's like I really liked that scene where I was like it felt like a little short for me was like afterwards I was like well she's just gonna like go back to her normal routine like a day later Right, like Connie Britton's character, mm -hmm. but you you hope that it's like okay, maybe this will like make a difference in her. And I think for the audience, I think it does a really good job of basically saying like, please, if you really do think this way for some idiotic reason, like look at what this actually means to have like someone personally involved in this, or you know, right. like try to be even like have like a hint of empathy. Um, and I think it does a good job of basically like saying like, look, like it, it's. Anybody could be in that situation where, that she was and feel completely helpless. And like, why would you ever blame that person for it? Which is what everybody's doing in this movie. Mm -hmm. And what all these people do for all these like sexual assault cases over the last like decades forever, right? And especially right. over the last 10 years that there's actually discourse over this stuff too. Like that there's two sides to these issues is really messed up. Um, yeah. And I so think thinking about that stuff. 
it's interesting that you said that it's not going to change anything because, like, honestly, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about how she was getting revenge on her, basically, because that's, like, this whole movie is, like, she has a list of people and she's getting revenge on all of them. And her revenge on this woman was to make her terrified that her daughter was going to be hurt in some way. And full well knowing that her daughter was in no harm. Like she, like she was in no danger, um, but just wanting her to feel for a second what it felt like for, you know, her and her friend's mom when they worried about her friend being hurt. Right. I really need to remember that her friend's name because I'm going to be saying it. Nina. Nina. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I also, yeah, that reminds me of the scene with Allison Brie. Because my honestly, like I watched it with my roommates and like we thought that so basically Allison Brie is one of her classmates and she meets up with her and she just kind of seems like a terrible person. <laughs> and she basically says, oh, remember when Nina was assaulted and like you didn't believe her. And she's like, yeah, I mean, she was drunk and she was a slut <laughs> basically. And so it was hard to believe her or whatever. Um, and. They basically, like, she can tell that this woman hasn't changed at all and that she's still horrible. <laughs> so she goes up to this guy and she – and so first she gets her drunk. She, like, purposefully tries to get her drunk. And then she goes up to this random guy that, like, we've never seen before and is like, here's some hotel keys. And she's like, go ahead. Like, you can take her. I don't even know what she says, but, like, we were like, wait, what? Like, no matter what happened to her friend Nina, like, it is not cool to do that to another woman, even if the woman is horrible. So we were, like, really worried about that because we didn't, like, we really liked her character and we didn't want her character to be ruined and we didn't want that to happen to Alison Brie's character. So we kind of ended up figuring out down the line, like, oh, like, this guy brought her to a hotel room, but, like, left, like, didn't do anything to her. Um, but it was just so that Allison Brie would wake up and kind of be in the same shoes as Nina was and just, like, not remember what happened and not know if she was assaulted or not or what happened. And so that she could have, like, basically she forced empathy from her. Um, so... That was that was a more extreme it's, one. Where yeah, we were it's like... still like extremely <laughs> disturbing. And I was in the same boat like in that scene too. Um, <laughs> and like that, I think that last scene with Allison Brie where she, you know, says like, I found this video and she was like, I just like, I'm disgusted that anybody would have laughed at this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, one, it doesn't like forgive her for how she acted in the situation when they were right. in college. Um but it's just so like, man, it's, it was it like that scene when she like was like, take her up to the room. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, yeah, because you're right. That's like just no matter what's super wrong. And I think even by the end, like um, Cassie, like, you know, she she saw Allison Brie and was in a much better place, I guess, in that moment. She's like, yeah, sorry about that. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, well, this that I, I don't know. It's just it's hard to even like 
talk about that, that kind of like emotional change or, you know, what you're actually doing to a person in that moment, but also like it got her to feel, you know, that bit of empathy that she was going for. That thing that you were and saying about like, and- what are these like revenge like situations here? It's like, I think yeah. you made a really good point in saying like, well, it's for, it's for this specific need for these people to realize, you know, like, like what the they other did side was of wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then later on, she ends up giving her the video of Nina being assaulted. And she says when she leaves, she says, like, never contact me again. And I was just like, I love that because it's not I mean, it's like it's just more realistic. Like, just because she, like, got a conscience doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're like best friends. Like, they still hate each other. (laughs) It's still like it's still like truly disturbing. (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, but it's just another one where it's like, part of me was just like, and maybe this is part of the, I don't know. I just, I I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that Alison Bree is just going to keep you know living her life after that, you know, or same with like that Dean at the college. And I'm wondering if that's part of what the movie was kind of going for, especially as we get into, you know, what happens at the ending, you know, like, um, but it's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, it's like, I think I just had a different and so, something going into this movie with all of the uh, the marketing around it, it felt like I was going into a revenge movie where this person was literally going around murdering people. Like that's what I thought. That's I was what getting they into. they were and trying to insinuate that. So in sure. the, I, I find that really frustrating with the marketing campaign because like there's a lot more to this movie than that, and it's just a different movie that you're get you're going into. Mm-hmm. And they definitely were like pushing this idea that she was like killing people at night, like killing men at night. They were. And I, I didn't, I think I totally agree marketing wise, but I think they did it in the movie too, because she has, so she has, <laughs> you have a vampire diaries mug. I'm sorry. Yes, vampire that, diaries. That made me Damon. happy. Damon. <laughs> I got that for Cassie. <laughs> Anyways. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So basically she, the first, I think it might be the first scene of the film. She's like really drunk at a bar and Adam Brody, who um, played Seth in the OC, um, he's, he ends up taking her home and you can just tell like, he's just creepy, but like in a very subtle way. Um, And like, you can tell like they're in an Uber and like they're going to take her home and he tells the Uber driver to take him, take them to his place instead and have a drink, even though she barely is conscious. She's so drunk. And I mean, obviously she's faking it, but um, and you can kind of see the taxi driver be like, that's not like she clearly doesn't want another drink, but just doesn't do anything about it. And that was one thing that stood out to me a ton from the movie is just like showing all of the different people that are complicit in kind of letting assault happen or like not stopping it or just kind of acting like it's just part of life and just ignoring it. Like, honestly, like that cab driver could have been like, no, I'm taking her back to her house. Like we had like, like I have her, her address plugged in and that's where I'm taking her. And obviously like you could also say it's his job to just do whatever his client wants, but it's also hard when, you see someone clearly being taken advantage of that like how like how did that guy feel the next day did he not have one thought about it or did he think i hope that she didn't like something bad didn't happen to her you know like i don't know but 
Anyway, so they end up at his house and he's being really creepy. And then he like tries to start something with her. And then she's like, what are you doing? And she tells him that she's like basically completely sober and that like, I don't remember who says, I think it might've been a different guy that she does this to, but he was like, I'm a nice guy. And she's like, those are the worst ones. No, that's, <laughs> that's from, Mc, that's McLovin. Yeah, McLovin. <laughs> um, yeah, well then it, I think it just kind of cuts away right after that. And then it shows yes. her walking down the street it and cuts she has away. what you think is blood on the arm, but it's just like a jelly filled donut or something. Yes, yeah, so the, the director I'm was like, playing with us. <laughs> But it was like, I still was like, well, did she murder him? You know, like, I, like, I still thought until that whole thing with the, even after the McLovin scene, because they mark, she marks some red and mar- some marks some green in her journal. I was like, is she killing these people or not? <laughs> I literally for half the movie. And I, I was like, maybe the director was like going for the beginning, but I felt like, like they should have been more um, obvious about what was happening there to understand yeah. that storyline. Because then it was like really inconsequential. It was really that whole thing was inconsequential afterwards. Like once they got into the whole like that, her going out at night and like seeing those people like it made sense for, you know, what she was doing with the notebook and stuff. But they didn't once the Bo Burnham story stuff started, like I feel like they didn't really loop back around to that at all. Mm. Yeah, I thought. I mean, Definitely, like I was saying in the beginning, I guess I guess it really showed her mental state <laughs> more than anything, and like how like stuck she was in this trauma, and she couldn't get past it. I mean that that obviously isn't the only reason that it was included, but I thought I definitely felt like when she because she it showed her leaving that guy's house, McLovin, I think, and <laughs> she's like your screenplay sounds horrible. <laughs> that was good Um, (laughs) (laughs) um but she i don't know at that point i was like okay she's not killing them she's basically scaring the shit out of them so that they don't do it to someone else right and and there is value i thought that but then she was like marking one like his like she had that sheet where she was marking them all off and one she marked that one green and then the one before it was like red so i thought she was like (laughs) like ranking them on like you know where they get to and i i thought that with these ones that she marked red maybe something was still happening but i i, oh, knew, okay. I think inside i knew that like she wasn't killing them because she would have been found out and gone to jail at that point yeah <laughs> too so i don't know um, yeah i didn't think as much as you did about the colors of the pen but i can see why that would like why you would think it meant something just because like i don't know like with 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 movies a lot of times like little things do mean something I guess I just thought I I I thought there was going to be more going into like the journal and stuff like that, and then I felt like it just kind of disappeared. I could see that. Um. Wow. Okay. So, question two. <laughs> um. Do you have a least favorite scene, and why is it your least favorite? You know, there's like the least favorites for like just it just being absolutely disgusting and awful. It was, I would say that's just like, um, like just the, um, what's his name when, when he kills Cassie, like, I think it was a well done scene, but it was just like, I didn't think that was going to happen. And like, I felt like, and I I thought it was like, it's so hard to land a movie like this because there's so much, it's so relevant in today's like 
culture and everything going on that it's like it's so real right because like yeah we're seeing this happen all the time and so many people coming out with these kind of sexual assault stories that it's just like and it's truly horrifying and i think because it's so real in these moments where like it's this guy this just like awful guy mur- like murdering cassie i was just like it felt and i know that's the point right that it felt so unfair and that's the the point mm-hmm. but like also it just um where it went to afterwards, I was just frustrated with, I just felt like Cassie should have been victorious in that. And they tried to make it seem like she was victorious, but she was still dead, right? Like she yeah. still died. Um, yeah. And having that twist there and making it feel like a cinematic twist on something that's so real felt like uncomfortable to me. But I thought it was really well shot. And it was obviously for cinematic value was like something I didn't see coming at all. Um, yeah, for the sure. one that I'll say that scene and these are two big things that we can talk about more. But the other one that I really didn't like was the and this is the whole storyline with Bo Burnham and his relationship with Cassie, um, mm-hmm. because or his name's Ryan is the character. name. Yeah. And I'm interested in what you thought, but the moment Ryan said he was friends with those people, I knew he was involved. So that whole mm-hmm. like rom-com storyline w- was just like it made me uncomfortable the whole time because I knew where it was going. I was like, well, he was obviously a part of this. And then not only do they make it, they not only do they like make that twist happen and I'm like, okay, well there it is. But also they make it so like Cassie doesn't see it coming at all. And she was put up, she's brought up as this person who I feel like was a really smart person and knows how shitty these people are, knows how shitty this guy's group of, group of friends are. So how would she not think like, this guy Ryan is like a piece of shit, you know, based on everything she's been doing. And then they put her in a situation where she's like the one that gets hurt again. And I just don't think that she should have. But so those are the two scenes where I was just frustrated with the storylines that they or like, I guess, like Cassie as a character and, you know, what she would be doing in those moments. I don't know. So I think when he said that he was friends with them, he kind of distanced himself from them a bit. He was kind of like, yeah, I see them sometimes in like a group setting, but like I'm not like super close with any of them. And I think it it wasn't obvious to me. I didn't have a thought, oh, he was there. Oh, he participated or whatever it was. I didn't have that thought at all. Um, but I think as the film went on, I think like right before we found out that he was there, you kind of just have a feeling like you're like, I feel like this is coming, but I definitely didn't know it right away. And I didn't know it during the lovey montage. So I wrote, I didn't expect this cute romance montage. It feels like it doesn't fit in this movie. I didn't think I was going to get romance. And then I said, okay, the romance makes more sense. Now they were setting it up just to blow it up. Right. And that's what, which I didn't mind. Okay. I I just thought it was so, uh shitty to her character because she's like mm-hmm. like she is like crying and upset about it and like you see how she's outplaying all of these people through the whole movie for her to not to outplay this like dumbass Bo Burdum character like felt like uh un- I don't know just didn't feel right yeah I think I don't know I think that concept of like thinking you know someone and like being in love with someone and then figuring out that you really didn't know them and that they could be different than you thought they were. 
I love that concept. That's basically what Scream is. <laughs> and obviously this isn't a less uh, murdery version of that. But I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to know that he was capable of that and then capable of doing what he did after that, even though he seemed so great before that. I know maybe you don't agree, but. Yeah, I just don't think it worked. I felt like it was like, and I think part of it was because I guessed that at the beginning, not to be like, oh, I guessed it. Ha, ha. But no, like, it's, it's just like. It's it, fine. You it didn't know who Lady Whistle that was. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this evens us out, right? Um, <laughs> but it just made it feel like they were really pushing thing like being a little on the nose about this stuff where it's like aha look at that like tricked you to the audience of this really really like intense and serious material you know it's the same Mm -hmm. the same reason i was like really frustrated with just some of those tonal shifts you know it's like having that and you wrote it down too where it's like a tonal shift to this like dancing scene in the convenience store also like these people work there like they're gonna have to clean up your guys's mess come on (laughs) But like, like they're throwing chips around and whatnot. I'm like, you guys just need to calm down. Um, but it, it was so out of place. And like the random moments of comedy and like goofiness. Um, I, I liked Cassie's. I liked Cassie when she was like making fun of people, you know, in mm-hmm. like a more casual way. Like, like your novel t- sounds terrible. Like I love yeah. that line. But some stuff where it's like they, they like made the murderers like the the like at the end the men those two guys like they definitely like having schmidt from new girl on there like doing goofy stuff like they were definitely playing parts of that for like uncomfortable laughs and moments where i was like these are terrible people and like i feel like they should have committed more to them just being terrible people but like in i don't think the movie thinks they're not terrible people no I, i i i know that they think they're terrible people but i just feel like casting schmitty or schmidt or whatever his name is from new girl uh, in that role is a really weird thing to do it was purposeful it was it had to have been purposeful she cast seth from the oc uh schmidt from new girl and piz from veronica mars to be like these terrible like creeps and it it, and mclovin so sorry i forgot about you um it has to be purposeful it's like this thing where it's like there are these men that you think you can trust and that you like have like a soft spot for it. And it's like, no, even them, even they can be like this. Like, so it's like, it's kind of like a little bit of like meta narrative there too. With, I think it is. I think that's a good How point. I didn't be? think about it that way. Cause yeah, you're, I didn't think about their like careers, but they do all feel very, I don't know about similar, but that like, that like that white man role. Right. And it's, except for McLovin, I think he's his own little category there, but um. I don't know. I guess it was like, um, I, I don't know. I just, I struggled with the tone a lot with, with those kind of shifts there. I feel like we disagree a lot on how we saw certain things, but I agree, or I think that your point of view is valid. And I think that I've seen other people have your same point of view, probably more than mine. <laughs> um, oh, well, like with reviews and stuff? Or? Um, Just with like, um, my sister, like, my sister thought that, okay, so just a little bit of context. So she goes to the person who raped her friend Nina. His name is Al Monroe. And he's having a bachelor party in this cabin um, with a bunch of his friends um, because getting he's getting married. And she basically goes there dressed up as, like, a slutty nurse to pretend to be a stripper. And so she goes in and she gives everyone but Al 
alcohol laced with something that makes them pass out. So then she brings Al up into the room and she handcuffs him to the bed. So she says, he says, what's your name? And she says, my name's Nina Fisher. And he starts freaking out because he's like, no, you're not. She's dead. And she's like, yeah, that's my name. Like they're blah, blah, blah. And basically ends up being like, you raped my friend and you got away with it. And she ended up killing herself. And I'm going to make sure that you never forget her name. And so she's like, gonna like carve her friend Nina's name into his chest um and like basically as she's doing that he gets one of his handcuffs loose and he's able to suffocate her with a pillow and there's this like really long scene like really really long scene where he's just holding the pillow over her and she's struggling and it's a really really tough scene to watch because it goes on for so long and it's just so hard to see her be killed because she's like the heroine that you've been following throughout this whole film and honestly like I didn't believe it for like most of it I was like okay well she's gonna fake because like you know what we were saying is like oh that was us like we would pretend we passed out and then we would like jump off the bed because he's still handcuffed he still has one handcuff attached so I'd be able to get away but of course that's not what happens so she does end up dying, which was just, like, shocking. Um, and then, basically, he um, – his friend, Schmitty – who knows what his name is in the movie? Doesn't matter. Schmitty. Um, Schmitty ends up coming up and being like, this isn't your fault. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. And, like, we're just going to cover this up and, like, it's not going to ruin your life. And um, I feel like the, like, dark, cynical humor – slash tone of the whole film was just like something that really like resonated with me and I didn't feel like like I feel like everything you're saying like that was purposeful and like it worked for me so I don't know <laughs> what that says about me but no I mean I I, I get what you're yeah I, I and again I, I get what you're saying and I think we both agree on like you know the the messaging and you know I think the the general view the movie holds is good and it's like talking about some really important things i just feel like it doesn't because of that shift and maybe because we're having different thoughts on what that that tonal perspective is that it didn't hit the landing on some of that stuff sure. and i don't even know if you can hit the landing on this because it's just like it's so hard it's just hard to talk about in general it's yeah. a lot of stuff that's like happening right now all the time where i'm just kind of looking at this and i'm like I don't know, like having twists in a movie about this just feels like weird in a way where it's like these are like people's lives that we see on the news like every other day, you know, like or like people's lives for, you know, in our immediate vicinity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's uh, it's it's hard to, you know, make a film that needs to have a certain trajectory, certain story arcs, like certain twists and turns and moments. Um that like appeal to people's emotions without feeling like I was, I'm being pushed to feel like a certain way. And like that it's, it, uh, it feels like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say exploitive cause I don't, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't think it is, but like, it just feels so close to like being ridiculously real in a way that every little minuscule thing that 
feels off like the tone or like a joke being made or this or that like like um feels like a misstep and maybe it's just because of that that it's like it's hard to it's hard to like view this movie in the same way that i would others because there's just like it's just really hard and i think that's good right it's good that people are making movies that are really hard to watch and like like hard to digest but i think it's also makes it 10 times harder to stick the landing on it because sure you really have to know what you're talking about and like i don't know yeah I, does that make sense and i'm totally it, totally it's just like so hard to to digest you know just as i mean just because something is dealing with a really important topic doesn't mean that um movie wise it it lands for everyone and well and it's just a heck of a lot yes and it's a heck of a lot easier to mess up for it especially when you're for sure. scenarios that are so real to you know like what people are doing with right now with making a movie like so centered around sexual assault in the modern day with right. colleges and stuff like that where it's like i mean it's good to talk about that stuff but man is it like you have to be really confident and specific about the tone and the messages that you're putting out there for something like that and it's like because i don't know because the discourse is so important and so relevant everybody like is very in that topic right now if that makes sense and it's so i don't know it's like it makes it just almost impossible to land it in a way that you know feels right yeah i can see that i think i read an interview with the director and she was like i had a version of the script where she walks out of the house and you know it's like on fire behind her and she walks away triumphant and she was like i just couldn't do it because it just didn't feel real like it, it didn't feel like this like small woman would go into a house filled with all of these men and come out alive. And I just when I read that, I was like, yeah, I see what you were like. I see your thought process on that. And I it makes sense to me. Um, And obviously, like another thing that I was curious about was like. Did Nina go in there like kind of on a suicide mission? Because I really didn't want that to be the case. And the or director, Cassie. what did I say? You said Nina. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, did Cassie go in there with like a suicide wish? And the director said in her mind, no, she didn't. She went in there knowing that that could happen, but not going in there trying to make it happen or knowing it was a for sure thing or something like that. And I was really glad about that because I didn't want that to be the case. Um, but I was glad that she had a backup plan because... I mean, the director can say that, but then the the end of the movie it doesn't work, right? No, because she had a backup plan just in case she was killed. And what was the plan if she wasn't killed then? Wouldn't she be able to do all of that herself? She'd be able to send the video to the cops and I don't know. But like they one of the one of the huge parts of the movie ending is that those guys are going to jail for the rest of their lives for murder. And like if we know even even with videos, right, even with video evidence and people backing that stuff up, I think a huge part is like none of these like none of these people actually face the consequences. Right. I think. And so I felt like. It was so frustrating having that last one be her text coming out and like the winky face being the last scene because they make it seem so victorious when she's dead. Like, yeah, I feel like they without having the winky face, 
you know, and like those last little texts, having them have their consequences, but still sitting on the fact that like Cassie did have to die for this. Like, I don't know. It, it made it feel like her whole plan all along, even if the director said something different, like I felt like her whole plan all along was to die when she went in there because it just, I don't know. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like an ending on that winky face makes you forget that it's like, well, she's literally dead because of this, you know, and instead it's like, oh, she's victorious. because like these two are going to jail. I think if she hadn't died, it would have been more of a reputation ruining situation where like the video goes to like everyone they know and like their lives get ruined because of it. They don't probably go to jail over it because the victim is dead and probably statute of limitations bullshit would get in the way. But um, I think it would be more of a like. Like with her, um, with her ex, Bo Burnham, a.k.a. Ryan, like he would probably lose his job and like his reputation would be destroyed. And so I think that would have been her end game had she not been killed. Um, but she was like, if I am, she's like, I, I acknowledge that being killed is something that could happen. I need to plan for that. Basically, they're going to go down for both. I don't know. That's how I saw it. <laughs> I just I don't know I just did, I did not like that texting at the end and what it meant I was for, so like, worried because everybody's... the movie was so cynical and bleak I was like she's gonna die and they're gonna have no consequences and this movie is just gonna be an example of real fucking life where men kill women and assault women and don't have consequences and then she fucking got them <laughs> and I was so happy that they were their lives right, were you, fucking but she's ruined. dead but she's dead, right? Like, and then you said it like you're happy at the end, but she she is dead. Obviously, she could have gotten help um, and like lived a better life. I don't want, I did not want her character to die, but that is what happened. I don't know. I just, I liked it a lot. <laughs> what else to say about it? I don't know. I mean, either. I just, I, I think. I think it 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 shifted back and forth between wanting to end on like this heavier note and not where I think you're right, like ending on, you know, her dying and these guys not getting away with it would have been a really strong message. And then going back on it and ending it on that text, I think, steered away from the message that a lot of the rest of the film was getting at, like all these people that don't have any empathy and didn't get or got away with stuff. I just I know, but like I just would have been so freaking angry if isn't that the point though if that hadn't worked out i don't know i i don't know it's hard because <laughs> because like part of me is like yeah it's part of me wants to be like well this is a movie so we can have it end where they do get punished for something they probably wouldn't have been punished for but at the same time, it's a movie, so she didn't have to die. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, I see that. And her little. saying, like, well, all these men, you know, sh the director saying that, like, well, she wouldn't, you know, I, it didn't feel right that she would have gone in there and killed all of them, right? Or whatever that last script is. Like, she would have But survived. then having her, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's like having your cake and eating it, too, to have the next scene. And then, and then another, like, twist saying that she texted them and made all that happen. I just... I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. I yeah, I still loved the movie, but I totally I can completely see your issues with it, with that part especially. And I, I like, you know, like I, I liked the movie overall. I just like I didn't love it because of some of those like those major shifts in the story that just didn't land. Okay, so did you have a favorite and least favorite character? I feel like favorite is obvious. Yeah, I mean Carrie Mulligan <laughs> is Cassandra. Like she she kills it from beginning to end. Like I'm always amazed by her performance as an actress just in general. Mm-hmm. Um I but I, I thought she was great in this. Least favorite for me was uh Ryan. Yes, that's what I just said. I said because I knew it from the beginning, you know. And then it 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 can like it solidified it at the end as well. Um, when that bastard I, said to that detective, like, oh, yeah, I don't know where she went. Like, she, yeah, she was depressed. Like, oh, yeah, she probably killed herself. The rage in me. <laughs> I was like, right. you piece of garbage. Like, how can you live with yourself? I was so, so mad at him. And just so disappointed that he literally, like, he claimed to love her and yet had absolutely no didn't didn't want to give up his barely friends for killing her like what i mean really what it comes down to is he didn't want his life to get ruined over that video being released so it was really about him it wasn't about them he didn't want his life to be ruined he would rather cover up her murder than his life be ruined right yeah he is yep. garbage <laughs> um so we're in agreement on both of our answers um so was there anything you didn't see coming i feel like that one is pretty obvious i didn't think she was gonna die mm-hmm. um yep same with mine and then if you could change anything about the plot what would it be i feel like you have a better answer than me honestly i think for like the message they were going for by the end there um it's just that last scene with the texting, I think maybe I, and I don't know what the right change is, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. And that's why I'm just like all of these scenes that I had issues with. I'm like, I don't know what the right change is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, I, I would, I, I would never, you know, I, I'm in no, I'm in no place to, you know, have commentary on this kind of stuff, but I also never be able to make a movie like this. And it's really hard to, so I'm, I'm impressed, you know, with what they could do. Um, but I think I would probably just remove the last the last texting or move, go in a different direction. Maybe it would be that one where they're going for a bleaker ending there if they are really going to have uh, Cassie die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think that last that last like text message at the end there kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, I think if I mean I if I had to change anything, I mean I would prefer she survived, and I'd prefer that she could see that revenge out. You know, like she could send that video out to everyone, all those guys know, and ruin their lives. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's what I would change. I don't think that that ruined the movie for me, but I I loved her character so much, and I would love to see her like live out a happy life. Um, which actor actress won the movie? I mean, Carrie Carrie Mulligan. Yep. <laughs> she did amazing (laughs) she's probably gonna be nominated for an oscar i hope um and she deserves one i would say so what is your avid watchers rating um mine is 9.5 uh i'd probably put it at a 8 8.5 i don't know i couldn't really put a final number on it 8.5 maybe that's better than i expected (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, again, like I liked the movie overall, you know, I, I don't think I would, I just wouldn't say I loved it. Um, and even with its like shortcomings again, like I think it's important to you'd be talking about this stuff and that mean you can sit down and talk through this and kind of digest it a little more is just important. So mm-hmm. that, that alone is great for this movie. And I think the cinematography was amazing too. You know, even if there's some story beats that didn't work for me, like we said, that scene with like toxic and some other moments there were just uh, really great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the name of the film promising a woman, I'm pretty sure it was inspired by Brock Turner. The judge who sentenced him gave him like a super short sentence and basically said, don't quote me on any of this, but said that he basically was a promising young man who had like a bright future and he didn't want to ruin his life. And so it was kind of like they kind of took inspiration on the name of the movie is like, you know, the woman in this case, Nina, the woman that um, Al Monroe raped was a prom she was also a promising young woman and she had a great career and life ahead of her that he ruined um when he assaulted her and i thought that was a really interesting tidbit to know that they took some inspiration from like a real life case in the naming of the movie right yeah and i think i'd have remembered that that line there just from that setup but no i think that's again with a movie like this like it it needs to be relevant to that stuff happening there and you know having that commentary on it i think is important so like and the brock turner thing is like it's you know just how disgusting and awful that whole thing was from start to finish is just Mm -hmm. i don't know it's a good good name for it for sure i think that's like something that i wrote in my notes was like the film focused a lot on who is complicit in the cover-up or basically the dismissal of sexual assault, it's these perpetrators wouldn't be getting away, wouldn't be getting away with it if there weren't all of these different people and systems and universities and law enforcement and all these different people who are enabling them to get away with it. Um, right. And that message like really stuck out to me when I watched it. Um, and basically the university and the legal system and all of that, like in Brock Turner's case, the same exact thing. They put his future over the person that he assaulted. Like his life was more important than hers and how she would be affected by what he did. Um, and that, that definitely came through that came through in the film for me. And that was a really powerful message. Like it's not just the person who does it. It's all the people that are responsible for letting it happen and letting no consequences come from it. Right. And yeah, I mean, just, I mean that we're, again, we're just, we're talking about this stuff and that like this movie does provoke those kind of discussions. And like, you know, with people watching this and thinking about this more, like whenever that can get the spotlight and like, make people think about how those actual like systems are set up is important. So, I mean, I, I would, I would want anybody to watch this movie. So even if I did have some issues with like the actual story of it, for sure, I think it not, I think it knocks it out of the park and I actually bring up the right questions to be talking about. For sure. 
Okay, should we move on to what we've been watching past few weeks? Yeah, let's do it. You want to start? <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like I never remember what I've already mentioned, which is an issue I need to work <laughs> on. But um, I feel like I've just been watching a lot of new movies. Um, I watched The Little Things which is a crime thriller with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. And it was kind of a letdown. Um, the ending left me feeling very empty and like, you know, like a movie ends, like we've talked about this before and you're just like, Oh, that's, that's it. Okay. Oh, okay. That's over. I guess <laughs> that's kind of what it was. Um, and then I watched Palm Springs, which I loved. I thought it was like, it was a lot more, it was, obviously hilarious it was a lot more romantic than i was expecting um it was just a, a it's fun time just way better than it has any right to be, i know i think for, that's so true uh and for all of you listening adam nix has a great <laughs> review of palm springs uh on aviditymag.com and uh mk has a great review of it on her whoa whoa don't <laughs> step them this is my moment <laughs> I got there before you, so. <laughs> On her Instagram account, MK recommends it, <laughs> at MK recommends it, um, gave it a 9 out of 10. Pretty, pretty great. Um, but, yeah, I also watched Malcolm and Marie, which, whew, um, was also a letdown. Watched the entire movie and then found out it was written and directed by a white man and was like, wait, what? <laughs> a white man wrote a love story about two black people and one of them is a filmmaker and talks a lot about the struggle of being a person of color in the film industry. But this white man doesn't know about that. How is he writing things about it? That was like, so that was interesting, but also just overall as a movie, not, not my favorite. Um, have you seen any, have you seen any of the movies that I've No, I haven't. Um, I don't really know much about Malcolm and Marie. I would say skip it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if you are just curious and you want to see it, like for sure watch it. But if you're kind of on the fence, mm. don't do it. The cinematography and the performances from Zendaya and John David Washington are incredible. I would say end of list <laughs> on what worked. <laughs> um, but the other thing I'm watching is WandaVision. And I watched the first episode a long time ago, like weeks ago. And I watched it with my sister and I was like, that was fine. But like, it was clearly a placeholder for like more to come. And I wasn't like super enthralled by it. And so I hadn't really watched the other episodes. And then last night I was like, why not? So I was like, okay, I'll probably watch like one or two. And then I watched three because <laughs> I was so into it. No, I'm not caught up. Um, I, cause I have five and six left, I think right now. Cause is six the most recent one that came out? Yeah. Like I'm. You know, oh my god, I love this show so much. Like, end of the day, Friday after work, like I'm like I'm sitting down watching like five fifteen. You know, like fifteen minutes after work, sit down and watch WandaVision. <laughs> like, I haven't had a show like that where I just need to watch it the second it comes out. And like, every single episode is, just keeps getting better and better. Like, it's just killing it. I, it's the best TV on, out there right now. I, I think, and mm -hmm. even on so many different levels, like. As a Marvel show after Endgame, you know, their next generation of stuff here. Um, 
it kills it and like opens up doors for so many new things it loops everything in so well but then just as a movie in general just like what they're or a tv show in general what they're experimenting with is just so like unique and Mm -hmm. creative but sorry i kind of took over no 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 i just love this show so much go on i wanted to hear what you what you were thinking um but yeah i was just like hooked like i I was just so like, oh, I need to know what happens next. And I did start, I think what it was, was the first episode was like the fifties. And I think there wasn't as much going on with like the mystery around what's actually going on there. So I don't really love fifties sitcoms. (laughs) So that was like, okay, harder to get through. And then like the second one was like bewitched. So it was, the 60s but it was more it was a little bit more of the same but it was it was a little bit better and there was more mystery worked into it for sure and more of like um like it was more like glitchy like you were like wait what like it just it just rewound or it just cut or whatever I don't want to get into it too much but I was I've just I'm very into it now and I am very like impressed with how they're doing it and so you watched episode four. Episode four is a big one. Okay. Right. Because it's, it's like, one. really, I think that's the point where after the first three, and this isn't really much of a spoiler, but they just really do kind of uh, mess with your perspective a lot. Yeah. And what, what the show is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited. And like some of the characters, I don't, I, I'm just rewatching all the Marvel movies. So like, I know all the recurring characters that are popping in and there's like, you know, two of the main characters on when that pop in an episode four or all three of them actually are from like other Marvel stuff too, which like is awesome. Oh, okay. And I feel like so can like we very... talk about that without spoiling things? Because I want to no, talk just, about uh, it. If anybody wants to watch it, we're going to be talking spoilers for a second here. So give you five seconds. Give, <laughs> give them, give them, give them three seconds to pull their head first. <laughs> So the girl, the one, okay. the one girl's from Thor, right? Yep, yep. Who that's, else is uh, from Darcy. other things? Uh, the uh, um, the guy from You'll Always Be My Maybe. Um, well, yeah. But what is he? What has he been in? He's in Ant Man Two. Oh, I haven't seen Ant Man <laughs> Two. I haven't it. even seen Ant Man One. I s- oh, they're so. Fun. I started Ant Man like really One on a plane movies. and was like, I'm bored, and turned it off. But. In my defense, I think on planes, I like to watch movies that comfort me because it can be kind of anxiety inducing. And so I'm not great with watching like new action movies. It's probably not going to work for me. I think they're, they're some of the funniest Marvel movies like and I didn't even remember them being as I, I didn't remember liking them as much as I did when I just revisited them like this last week. But seeing him, you know, in yeah. comparison to the WandaVision alone is worth it just because he's <laughs> so funny in that first that second one and like. Yeah. Once you watch this again, let's let's talk about it again. Okay. Because like the connections there are fun. So you said there was a third person. Yeah. So the the main character on the other side, Rambo, he's the she is the daughter of um uh Captain Marvel's ma Captain Marvel's best friend. Oh. Which I didn't realize until, and I, I think they mention it again later in the you know on episodes oh. ahead that you're gonna watch just like very briefly. Okay. But, uh, Okay, spoiler time over. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's me. So you go ahead. Um, well, I was my main one was going to be WandaVision. Like, okay. I'm just loving it so much. Um, the uh, 
and I, I do the same. We really have to figure out what we talked about last time. But <laughs> I recently finished uh, The Mandalorian season two. All you ever talk and about is Mandalorian. So <laughs> I know it's just like, oh, I watched two more episodes. Like, um, but my last thoughts on it, because it's going to be like a year until the next stuff comes out. Uh-huh. But it was just like it was such a slow burn into or not slow burn because it's like a really every episode you want to watch the next. But it's like the relationship between Man- the Mandalorian um, and Baby Yoda is just like so well done. And like there, there's payoff at the end of season two that is just so well deserved. Like I was like weeping at the end of the season. Like I just wow. thought it was so good and like so meaningful. Um, and like Pedro Pascal is just the best. He is just the best. <laughs> Did you so, see he got a new role? Um, and no, and, and what? he's gonna be in the Last of Us TV show. Oh, really? Wait, Last of Us is a TV show coming. They're out making for him? it into a TV show, I think, on HBO, maybe. And he's gonna oh, be like the okay. main star of it. And then Liana Mormont from Game of Thrones is gonna be the girl in it. Well, um, oh, okay, I did see that actually. Did you? How do you feel about Gina Carano being fired? From Mandalorian. She sucks. Like yeah, she man, sucks. that stuff that she's talking about, it's like awful. You know, I'm glad they've made that decision. You know, they, there are consequences to working somewhere and comparing yourself to uh like Nazi Germany and yeah, Jew a Jew in Nazi Germany. Or like just her transphobic remarks, her like her like spreading of misinformation, all of it is just like stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, joining parlor, all that stuff. I, I say good riddance. Yeah, um, bye bye. A lot um, of people do you think don't they're gonna like, recast? Like her. I don't know. A lot of people didn't really like the character that much, but I think it was probably the baggage with the actress. Sure. Um, I I personally thought some of her storyline was like pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And but it's hard to say. You know, the the show itself is so centered on. Uh, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and everybody else kind of moves in and out that she's only in episodes here and there right but whenever she sure. was I was like oh I'm kind of interested in like in what her relationship is with like um, the New Republic and all of this stuff you watched a couple episodes of it right yeah with Mandalorian okay um, but uh, what I would say is every other character is more interesting than her okay. so <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they just nixed that storyline um, I mean the other characters in the show, like they, they, uh, I don't know what her background is based on other like Star Wars lore, but some of the other ones that come in in season two are literally huge to the Star Wars universe, and they they're having their own show shows breaking off. Like, um, I do. Do you have any knowledge of some of those Star Wars shows that are coming out? Like we've got a no. Well, some some spoilers here just on some characters you might be seeing in the future, but they're getting their own shows for Ahsoka Tano, for Boba Fett, you know, all, all these really interesting characters. Um, I want you to watch it so we can talk about it, but <laughs> I finished The Mandalorian and I was so into it. And I loved it so much that I started uh, the, the Star Wars cartoon, um, The Clone Wars, which is where a lot of the kind of stuff came from for their inspiration for The Mandalorian. Okay. And David Filoni is the writer and basically showrunner for the Clone Wars, and he's also works really closely with um, John Favreau for the Mandalorian. Nice. Um, David Filoni is, all, I mean, you've got George Lucas who created Star Wars, and I think the other only other person who knows that universe 
as good as or maybe better than George Lucas at this point is David Filoni. Like the imprint <laughs> he has in Star Wars and some of the most beloved characters come directly from him. So I'm really excited to see where all that joy kind of started and where people connect to that stuff. Because a lot of people who really love Star Wars, they, they like the Clone Wars series more than any of the original or any of the trilogies. Wow. Like it's they just say it's some of the best Star Wars storytelling out there. So Crazy. the first season's kind of slow. Uh, <laughs> It's very like, you know, like kids show, but I hear it gets good like season three, um, but there's 23 episodes a season, wow. 20 minutes each, so I'm kind of watching that while I do other stuff, you know, sure, uh, sure, sure. which which works, but uh, I've really been enjoying just having kind of a background show like that to watch. Um, I can't believe I forgot. I did watch To All the Boys, Always and Forever, the third I watched to that all last the boys. night as well. Last night. <laughs> I thought it was the worst out of all of the three. What? I yeah. loved it. Really? Oh. Yeah. I just was. Maybe we should have I a. We should probably just make that an episode. We could, yeah. I, It'd be kind I of was, fun to talk about. I you were loved, bored. Wow. I loved, loved, loved the first one. And I feel like the second one was like a little bit not as good. And then the third one, I was just straight up bored. Really? See, I, 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 I really liked the together, first one. I thought the second one wasn't that good. And I thought the third was great. I thought the third was fantastic in this. Not as good as the first, obviously, but like it it moves from a rom-com, right? And it goes like it just I thought it did such a nice job of telling a very specific story, but a, a story of just like how ridiculous it is, you know, and how anxiety inducing it is to know what's happening after high school and all of that. And it's sure, just sure, like sure. A, it's just a teen, a teen movie like through and through. And it's so it's so, such a good job of making it a teen movie now, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. of this stuff probably dates us even, but it does. I think it's the closest like teen story to like represent how kids actually talk to each other, interact with technology instead of actually having dumb kind of like. Sure. You know, it, it takes a little bit for movies to catch up to like how they should actually be representing how people use, um, you know, Instagram or TikTok and that kind of stuff in, in movies. And I, I've always felt like to all the girls I've looked before does a really good job at saying like, hey, this is how kids are using this stuff and how it how it actually affects them. I think I read the first two books and I started reading the third one and I also got bored and stopped reading it. And mm-hmm. I think the crux of my issue is that the entire book and movie is about should I choose what college I want to go to based on my boyfriend or based on what I want? And that's not an interesting enough question to watch an entire movie about because, uh, no, duh, you should pick what you want to do. There's just no right. question there for me. So it's it's like the struggle of her decision to me isn't interesting because I think it's insane that he would expect her to basically just fit her entire life around him and that she accepts that for a period of time. Um, but it's like kids are just like really dumb. Like it's just like. <laughs> Like your emotions are crazy. And I, yeah, you know, through the whole movie that like the right choice and the choice is, well, the right choice is for them to just break up, you know, and <laughs> yeah, I feel like we should just do an episode on this. Okay. Like I have a lot because the ending blows. The ending totally sucks. But I really did like the movie. You know how much better it would have been had they broken up at the end? Like and, as a movie. And, okay, we're just gonna we're gonna dig into it for a second here. So if you haven't watched the third movie in Tell the Boys I've Lived Before, then uh be warned. But 
it's so ridiculous that she's like, well, me and Peter, we're not like other couples. It's like, okay, you're belittling other couples. And you're going to break up in three months. You're going to break up. Okay. Like, I know that's going to happen. So it would have been so great if they were just like, you know what? Like, let's, let's do our best with this relationship. If things don't work out, it's okay. But her like pure conviction and that they were going to be together forever, like kind of ruined everything she went through previously in the movie. Like I was like, damn, Laura Jean. I thought it was fun and cute, everything before that, though, and finding themselves. And also the other thing that was very silly is like the very like hipster and like romanticized version of like New York that she sees. And she's like, I got to go here to the hipster parties. And I'm like, OK, this romanticized like like beautiful lights, like outdoor like rooftop party i was like i want to go to new york what i want to go to that bakery like <laughs> yeah it's like so silly when they they do that it's like and i i mean I, the few times i've been to new york I really love, i've always just gone there as a tourist but she was just there as a tourist you know and she went to some random party like <laughs> most people i talk to who live in new york do not live that glam life so it's just so funny when <laughs> but good for her i'm glad she went to new york yeah i just like obviously that's not what you And the other saying, thing but... where I'm just like, oh, all these people are choosing between like UC Berkeley, Stans- Stanford, and NYU. It's just like, I guess <laughs> me and my f- friends were just I'm all sorry. dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the fact that Peter Kavinsky could get into Stanford, even if he's good at lacrosse, I maybe I just truly don't understand how admissions Dude, that's, work for that athletes. That is how it works. But I don't understand. That is how it works. People, if you're good at a sport and you have money, you can get into it. And all these people and to all the boys I left before are rich AF. Look at all those houses. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's just. Uh, God, that blows my it's mind. It's funny. And all that stuff. It's like, like ah, the fact I, that he I just kind of sideswipe that as just like silly movie stuff because I do like the whole like like that whole idea of having someone else look at your like admission stuff to see if you got in or whatever or waiting for that pending stuff one part is me like oh i feel for yeah. you in the sense that like i thought that stuff mattered and it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> okay we're cut off just, we're cu- this is going now on it seems like I, we, now it we seems like just... i hate the movie based on how i'm talking about it now but i actually really liked it so <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing i don't know where you yeah. stand at the end of this i liked the movie but it, there's some silly stuff in it I think I liked it because it, uh, it reminds me how dumb I was in high school. You know, I think that's. Can I just say that <laughs> I have never cringed so much as when they like Eskimo kissed each other, like they rubbed their nose together or whatever. I was just like, no. I don't remember that. Yeah, some of the like they were <laughs> when, very coupley okay, couples. A couple like, gets I'm together, like, I would, I would not be friends with you guys. Like, like I would probably would have ditched like. <laughs> I don't know. Just spend the day apart in New York. It's okay. You're going to survive. They, like, were... <laughs> <laughs> they were so cringy at certain parts. I was like, please stop. Okay. But anyways, we're cut off from talking about that. Um, that is it for this episode of Avid Watchers. Please follow us on Avid Watchers Pod um, on Instagram and at Avid Watchers on Twitter. And yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.